Well, it's great to be here visiting with you all again. I, I, uh, I, I always delight in coming to this sanctuary where it so reminds me of the congregation in Atlanta where I grew up with the, with the round. And I'm, uh, I'm wearing Abi's stole. He's up in Gainesville today wearing one of mine. So we're, we're doing a stole exchange as well. Um, it was about a month ago I discovered a website called lumosity.org. Have any of you heard of it? Yeah, one person has. It's, um, it's designed to give you these brain exercises to do, puzzles and games that are supposed to increase your mental speed and memory and flexibility and attention and problem solving. I don't know if it really does those things in, in any way that makes a difference, but it seemed worth a shot. I take about 15 minutes in the morning and go through a series of the games. And I think I'll just try this microphone instead. Will that, will that be okay? Sound booth. We good? That's better, isn't it? Um, and I got, I got my wife, Laura Kim, signed up, too, so now we can compete with each other, <laughs> get higher scores. And I do some physical exercises, some stretches and sit-ups and ride my bike and take a walk most days. Brain exercises for cognitive fitness, maybe, and physical exercise for physical fitness, definitely. And there's also something called emotional fitness or emotional intelligence, it's sometimes called, the ability to detect and identify your emotions, harness emotional energies to facilitate the task at hand, understand the language of emotion, including the ability to recognize slight differences between similar emotions. Some of us are really good at that. Some of us, not so much. Closely related to emotional intelligence or fitness is social intelligence because really resonating with someone, clicking with them, is a matter of knowing your feelings, recognizing theirs, and being able to synchronize with the emotion. There's physical, cognitive, emotional, social fitness or health or intelligence. So, is there such a thing as spiritual fitness, spiritual health, spiritual intelligence. I have two things to say about that. Number one, yes, there is a way to measure spirituality. There are exercises to boost your spiritual fitness. And number two, no, spirituality is not at all one more kind of fitness, and the very idea of spiritual fitness completely misses the point. So first, let's look at number one. There is spiritual fitness. It can be measured, and training can improve it. According to psychologist Robert Cloninger, he has worked out uh, a way to, to measure what spirituality is um, as self-transcendence. It's an orientation toward the elevated, whether that's experienced as compassion or ethics or art or if it's experienced as divine presence. Either way, however, it's an orientation toward the elevated. And in that orientation, we transcend the ego defense mechanisms 
by which most of us spend our lives governed. Self-transcendence is the sum of three subscales, self-forgetfulness, transpersonal identification, and acceptance. Self-forgetfulness is the proclivity for becoming so immersed in an activity that the boundary between self and other seems to fall away. Transpersonal identification is recognizing myself in all things and all things in myself. As the mystic poet Kabir said, we all know that the drop is absorbed into the ocean, but do you know that the ocean is absorbed in the drop? Acceptance is the ability to accept and affirm reality just as it is even the hard parts, even the painful and the tragic parts. So Cloninger has devised a questionnaire to measure self-forgetfulness, transpersonal identification, and acceptance. Add those three scores together and you get the total for self-transcendence. Voila, you have measured spiritual fitness. Many different phrases have been used to express that spiritual capacity. The capacity to see beyond walls, commune with divine mystery, experience an internal caress, hear our deeper consciousness, experience epiphanies, become awake, usher ourselves into right relation with life, open our hearts to life's blessed mysteries, foster a greater love of self and greater caring for neighbor and this earth. According to Cloninger, what we're really talking about with those metaphorical and poetic phrases is self-forgetfulness, transpersonal identification, and acceptance. So now let me say where all of this seems to me to miss the point, to go astray. Our culture has, you might have noticed, a mania for self-improvement whether it's in the physical area or the cognitive, the emotional or the social, get physically fit, exercise, diet, get smarter, train your memory and attention and flexibility and problem solving, hone your emotional skills, sharpen your social skills, here's what you need to do, win friends, influence people, get the promotion, achieve success, make your marriage work and or get that cute man or woman to notice you, find fulfillment, be energized, get the respect you deserve Serve, prevent wax buildup and fight tooth decay. <laughs> These are the themes that fill the shelves of the self-help section at the bookstore. There is even, I discovered, a self-help book on how to write a best-selling self-help book. Because, after all, if you really have all of your stuff together, then you will write a book to explain it to the rest of us, and you'll need to know how. Over and over, we are told, whoever you are, you're not good enough. Wherever you are on life's journey, you really should have been farther along by now. Whatever your grief or wounding, get over it get fixed. 
Oddly, at the same time, we as a people also believe the opposite about ourselves at the cultural historical juncture at which we judge ourselves unworthy at every turn, we also are more prone than ever to judge ourselves greater than we are. 93% of U.S. drivers judge themselves to be above average drivers. 43% of them gotta be wrong. 94% of college professors believe that they have above average teaching skills In the 1950s, 12% of high school seniors said that they were a very important person. 12% high school seniors. By the 1990s, 80% of high school seniors said of themselves that they were a very important person. And it's no wonder our young people, more than any previous generation, have been bathed in messages telling them how special they are. We think we're better than most others, better than average. And at the same time, we're not good enough. We yearn to be further and further above average, which means more and more distance, more perceived distance anyway, between ourselves and other people. And there is actually no contradiction. We judge ourselves inadequate and we judge other people, average people, even worse. Our more agrarian great-grandparents were certainly capable of passing judgment, but I don't think it consumed their lives the way that our judgmentalism consumes ours. There is a place for judgment. Evaluation, good, bad, worse, better, there always will be a place. Judging mind has important work to do. The problem is that it works overtime, and it takes over instead of taking a break. Spirituality is about seeing the appropriate limited role for judgment while also holding in our awareness the wider context within which judgment has its little corner, the wider context that transcends our petty assessments of better and worse. Your spirit is the part of you that understands that you are good enough, that you are, in fact, perfect. And any approach that says spirituality is one more area where you've got to get better undermines the very spirituality that it purports to encourage. We might look back on moments of self-forgetfulness and realize that we were performing very well. At the time, in the moment, we weren't thinking about performance as good or bad at all. We had lost the sense of being a separate self to judge better or worse. We were just flowing like a current within a river that has no idea of itself as separate from the rest of the river or even as separate from all of the earth's waterways. As soon as the thought enters your head, hey, I'm playing superb tennis today, or I've really got a masterpiece going here I'm painting. As soon as that thought enters your head, the spell is broken. Transpersonal identification is recognition that we are the other, And there's no place there for judging ourselves as better than others, better than average. 
Spirituality involves acceptance, the affirmation and embrace of reality exactly as it is, not judging ourselves or others as needing to be any better. And that's why I say that the very idea of spiritual fitness misses the point. We aren't going to learn to be non-judgmental by judging ourselves for being too judgmental. The spiritual path is not about fixing something that's broken about you. It's about the abiding truth that you aren't broke and don't need fixing. You really are perfect exactly the way you are. Couldn't possibly be any better. And here I am with my judging mind, asking, how can I turn off judging mind? Well, I can't make it happen. However I might characterize it, being awake, more epiphanies, inner peace, however I might characterize it, I can't make it happen. As soon as I think there is such a thing as a separate me, and as soon as I judge that it is not spiritually healthy enough, I've erected an impassable barrier. My very effort to take it down is what makes it stronger. I'm telling myself, try harder not to try so hard. In the description I sent in for your newsletter for what I was going to say today, I said, the rap on Unitarian Universalists is that we're a denomination of dabblers and dilettantes. Our interests and our knowledge are broad, but we think we understand the taste of the food from just reading the cookbook, or that we gain strong muscles just by hearing a lecture on weightlifting. How do we actually taste for ourselves our own true nature? What exercises will develop the muscles for nurturing our spirits, healing ourselves, and healing our world? Are we ready to get serious, get to work, and stick to it? Sounded like I was going to lay some judgment there on you. Dilettantes, dabblers, get serious and get to work, will you? Well, you can relax. The first lesson is it's not up to you. You can't make it happen. You can't fix yourself because you're not broken. Can't possibly be better. That's the first lesson, and that's also the last lesson, because only in rare moments do most of us manage to truly believe that. To help us learn that lesson, there are spiritual practices. Now, why would I do practices? I'm already perfect. Well, I might start doing them just because I don't feel perfect. As contradictory as it is to judge myself for being too self-judgmental, that's exactly what I do. I began spiritual practice because I was beset by a variety of demons. I had been fighting them for years, and I was not winning. Apparent victories were temporary, fleeting. The fighting just gave the demons a good workout and made them stronger. Spiritual practice is a way to stop fighting, embrace my demons instead of fighting them, and then they aren't such a problem for me or for the others in my life. I can't make that happen, but what I can do is practice stepping back to just see what my fears, my insecurities, 
my judgments of inadequacy might do on their own if all I do is steadily acknowledge them. They start to go away on their own. Of course, they never entirely leave. They come back for visits. They send a card on my birthday. So notice, when judgment arises, oh, there's judgment again. Oh, there I am judging myself that I shouldn't have judgments again. Don't resist. Just notice. Now, will that do anything? Ah, this is why we call it faith. I take the leap of faith of opening myself to all those demons, opening my heart to the unknown, trusting that they will sort themselves out as they need to. I can't make myself be at peace by paying a loving, accepting attention to the things that give me turmoil, however. The waves gradually get smaller and further apart. We might start a spiritual practice wanting our spiritual muscles strong and toned and trim and limber. If we do keep at it, we might gradually come to see that there is nothing to attain except the knowledge that there is nothing to attain. A visitor to a Zen center heard the master give a talk saying, Zen is about being perfectly ordinary. And afterwards the visitor asked the master, so what is the difference between you and me? And the master said, there is no difference, only I know that. We do the practice not to attain something. We do the practice just to do the practice. Dishwashing becomes spiritual practice. When you aren't washing the dishes to get them clean, you are washing the dishes to wash the dishes. There are many, many forms of spiritual practice. There's the traditional idea of spiritual practice, Bible study and prayer. Unitarian Universalists have a long list, a great variety of spiritual practices. Some of us have yoga, martial arts, social action as a spiritual practice, vegetarianism, living simply, cooking, eating, not eating, as in fasting, quilting, painting, arts. There's gardening, hiking in the woods, walking along the beach, playing an instrument or singing or listening attentively, attentively to music. Any number of things can be spiritual practices if they are approached with a deliberate intention to get out of our judging mind for a while and just accept, affirm, and appreciate. Allow self-forgetfulness and transpersonal identification to come over us if they will. So think about something that you do just to be doing it. Something you do without thinking about achieving anything. Without thinking about whether you're doing it the way you supposedly should do it. There's your spiritual practice. There's the place in your life where you're liberated from your own judgmentalism. Freed from the pursuit of goals and purposes. Allowed to bask in just being. 
It feels nice, doesn't it? And then there's all the rest of your life. Maybe you would like to infuse all of your life with a bit more of that spirit. As I say, we can't make that happen. All we can do is invite it to happen. And there are five practices to invite our spirituality to infuse more of our lives. Five practices to to be a foundation for whatever it is that you were thinking of a minute ago. Whatever it is that your spiritual practice is that gets you out of judging mind. Here are five things that will establish a much stronger foundation for that. First, journaling. 15 minutes a day. There are a lot of different approaches to journaling. Here's a very simple starter plan. Six days a week, practice, just keep the pen moving. Whatever comes to your mind, just keep writing. And then on the seventh day, list in your journal five things from the previous week that you are grateful for. A gratitude practice incorporated into your journaling. It makes a difference. Studies have found people who list things they're grateful for have a more positive outlook and feel more connected. Noticing is the key to spiritual acceptance, and writing down whatever comes to your mind is helpful for noticing what's alive in you. Second, study. Again, I'm suggesting 15 minutes a day. Not just any kind of study. Select a text of wisdom literature. The scriptures of any of the world's religions are worthy texts for spiritual study. Spiritual guides like Thomas More's Care of the Soul, reflections like Thomas Merton's, poems by Rumi or Hafiz, the writings of Gandhi or Teresa of Avila or Pema Chodron, all of those will do nicely. The list could go on and on. I just mean to give you a rough sampling. Choose works that resonate with you and commit to study them for a few minutes each morning or some other time of the day. And what this does is it begins to enlist your cognitive capacity to, in, to assist your spiritual. We live through our days full of ideas and concepts, and most of them are connected to some form of judgment, some form of not wanting things to be as they in fact are. Wisdom literature helps give us some concepts that can maybe help nudge some of those other concepts a little bit more often into the background. Third, silence. Another 15 minutes a day. Now, I know this is adding up, and gosh, aren't we all too busy anyway. Who has time for stuff that has no purpose? I can't answer that. When the quest for peace is urgent, the time will not be an issue. So find a posture that will allow you to remain still, to experience silence and stillness. Bring attention to your breath. And when, not if, but when your thoughts wander, simply notice where they wandered to and return to attention to your breath. This simple practice begins to cultivate awareness of your own thoughts and helps you get to know the true person you are that is so much more than just your thoughts. Fourth, group practice. Monthly is good, biweekly is better. Go 
weekly, if you can, manage it. A group that shares in your spiritual practice, whatever it may be, is a great boon for deepening in that practice. If walking on the beach is where you have had the best luck experiencing serenity, get together a beach walking group in addition to having some time to walk alone. If it's cooking, then get in a cooking club. Only be sure it's a club that's intentionally approaching cooking as a spiritual practice. Enter cooking like love should be entered into with abandon or not at all, I'm told. Just as study helped enlist your cognitive to assist your spiritual, the group experience helps enlist your social needs on behalf of the spiritual, and that helps invite the spiritual to infuse more of your life. And fifth, last, is resolve for mindfulness continuously. Develop the habit of bringing yourself back to the present moment whenever you find that you're somewhere else. These are not the practices that will make you perfect. You're already perfect. They might not change anything at all, and that's going to be discouraging for that judging mind that wants results. My intention is for my judging mind to just do its job and stop being such a totalitarian tyrant. I can't make that happen. I can only keep inviting it over and over, day after day, year after year. My faith is that an awakened life is possible. I am called toward that possibility, not because it's better, that would be a judgment, but just because it's who I am, nurturing my spirit, helping heal our world. For real? For real. <laughs>